All right, so I'm a little bit nervous. I'll be totally honest with you. I thought this whole idea of uh, having people submit questions and it's taken a few weeks to answer those questions was a great idea. And honestly, it was a great idea until I started looking at some of the questions and thinking, oh my goodness, that's a really tricky one. Or, oh my goodness, I really don't want to talk about that or go there. But, in the name of integrity, we're going to keep going for several weeks. <laughs> if you have any other questions that you would like to ask about God, about faith, about the interaction of God and faith, uh, you can put them in the box just over there. You can email them to us. If you have any easy questions and want to throw some softballs, they will be especially welcome. They will be especially welcome. So the first question that I'm going to try and offer some thoughts on today is this. If God is so loving, why does hell exist and why would God send people there? If God is so loving, why does hell exist and why does God send people there? Now I'd like to introduce our guest speaker today, Mr. Mike Himes. <laughs> 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 Great question, tough question, right? <laughs> and I'm not sure I've got an answer for you, but I want to share some, some thoughts today. Did a little bit of research over the last few weeks, and I found that generally we don't like to talk about hell. And in fact, as I scrolled through all the messages that I have preached in about 15 years of ministry, I could only find two <laughs> that spoke directly about hell. And I wondered why that was. And I think the reality is we just don't like talking about hell. But beyond that, we don't like the idea of hell. We don't like the idea that there is a place of separation and torment that is as ugly and horrible as heaven is, beautiful and loving and embracing. If we're going to win people to Christ and to heaven, we have all met people who have said, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. And as a strategy to embrace and love people, that doesn't work particularly well. I would much rather talk about heaven than hell. But one of the things that I've learned as I've been trying to answer this question is that we can't talk about heaven fully if we ignore the reality of hell. A couple of stats that I found out of Christians 89% of Christians believe in heaven. That's good, right? In fact, you would hear that stat and you would think, well, what are the other 11%? I mean, isn't that quite part of the deal, right? <laughs> but only 70% of Christians believe 
in hell. Honestly, there's a theological thought, a theological stream that says we, we believe in heaven, but we don't believe in hell. There's a lot of people who make that argument. Of our society generally, 72 people believe in hev- heaven and only 58 believe in hell. We don't talk about hell. And so answering this question, I want to share with you three thoughts that honestly just raise more questions, right? So if one of those questions is raised in you, feel free to write it down and we'll see if we've got time in this series to get to it. If we don't, you know, sorry, (laughs) maybe two years time we'll come back here again. But in the course of what I'm saying, because, you know, I'm just kind of working this stuff out and sharing some scriptures. If you have any questions in real time, feel free to raise your hand if, if I'm going too fast. I want to be sensitive about this, this topic and I want to be uh, thoughtful about this as well. So the question of the day, if God is so loving, why does hell exist and why does God people send them there. To try and answer this question, I want to uh, take some words that Jesus said in Matthew 25. There's a whole story here that is bookended by this idea of heaven and hell. The story starts with Jesus talking about this glorious day. And it ends with this picture of eternal separation from God, which is what we think uh, and what hell is all about. In between, I believe it answers some of the questions. So Matthew 25, starting at verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, Then he will sit on his glorious throne. He's starting off by talking about heaven. Perhaps the most succinct definition of what heaven looks like is wrapped up in the world glorious. It's beautiful in every way, in every facet, because everything that is not beautiful and is not glorious is not there. And perhaps the centerpiece of this glorious heaven is this glorious throne where Jesus rules from. And the throne is glorious, not because it's ornate, but because of who sits on it. One who is ruling with justice and with mercy. One who is dispensing from that throne forgiveness and grace and love. It starts off by talking about this glorious day. One author said there are really only two days in our lives that matter. One is that day. That day when Jesus comes and he sits on his throne and he inaugurates heaven. And he opens the door for for all those who followed him that day. The other day that's important is this day. Because the story goes on to say that what we do in this day prepares us 
for that day. Does that make sense? What we do in this day prepares us for that day. Over the years, I've spent a lot of time in nursing homes. And honestly, I've spent a lot of time with cranky old people. And when I've been with cranky old people, I walk away thinking, what do I have to do now to not become a cranky old person then, right? And the answer is, if I'm not cranky now, then I got a better chance of not being cranky then, right? How I live this day now prepares me for that day when I'm uh, older, It's the same way on a spiritual level, right? What we do on this day in terms of answering and understanding who God is prepares us for that day. There's this day and that day. So Jesus continues, 32. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate people as shepherds separate the sheep From the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom, heaven prepared for you from the creation of the world. The first thought I want to share about this question of why would God create a hell? is that ultimately, good and bad can't coexist together because they are fundamentally different. So this glorious day comes, Jesus is on his throne. He says, I can divide you into two camps. Sheep, those who have a shepherd and who listen to the shepherd and choose to follow the shepherd, they are good. And then those who are goats, who are obstinate, who go their own way, who do their own thing. Jesus says, the sheep, you're good. Goats, you're bad. He has to separate the two. In the same way that light and darkness can't exist, so ultimately good and bad can't coexist as well. Have any of you seen that that little sign? uh, It's called the yin-yang, right? It's like a little circle, it's got like a little swoosh line, it's got a little black dot in the white and a white dot in the black. Am I describing it well? You know what I'm talking about? What that symbol means is that in every good thing, there is a little bit of bad. And in every bad thing, there's a little bit of good. And in the systems and the structure of this world and where we're living now, that's exactly how it is. Because I know that that's true in my life. Sometimes I do a lot of bad things, but maybe there's a little bit of good motive in there. Sometimes I do some really good things, and there's a little bit of a selfish motive there, right? Good and bad somehow coexist in this world, but good and bad can't coexist in the next. 
In the same way that light and darkness can't coexist. There is no yin-yang in heaven, right? One of the reasons why there is a hell is because good and bad can't coexist. Have you guys seen those, um, those bumper stickers that say coexist? And they have all the little, little kind of different religious symbols and that kind of stuff. And at first glance of those bumper stickers, you think, oh, that's nice. What a, you know, what a, what a, what a, what a beautiful sentiment that we would all live together. But if you start to look a little bit deeper at what those symbols represent, it would be impossible for all those religions to coexist because their premise is so different. And we'll talk about that in another question. Write it down if someone wants to. (laughs) One of the reasons why there has to be a hell is because good and bad can't exist together. That makes sense? If you got any further questions, write it down and we'll give it to Mike for next week. (laughs) Second thing. Thirty-five. Jesus said, this is why you guys are sheep. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. These are good things. One of the traits of people who are doing good things is that they are always surprised that they're doing good things. It says in verse 37, Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and you give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, whatever you did to the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing to me. One of the marks of our goodness is that we must always be surprised by our goodness. E. Stanley Jones was a favorite preacher of mine in the 50s. He said this about heaven. He said, there are three things that will surprise me about heaven. He says, I'll be surprised about who's there. I'll be surprised about who's not there. And I'll be surprised that I'm there. We must always be surprised by the good things that we do. On this glorious day, one of the reasons that hell exists because there's a separation between good and bad, between those who do and between those who don't. Verse 41 says, Then the king will turn to those on his left, And say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Man, I don't don't want to be in that crowd. That's That's a tough, tough thing. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. You didn't give me clothing. You didn't visit me. God is unjust 
if he doesn't celebrate the dew and have words with those who didn't. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of my brothers and sisters, you were refusing help. Why does it have to be a hell? One, because good and bad can't coexist. Second, second thing I want to say answers the second part of that question is would a loving God send people to hell? And my answer to that is that he wouldn't. He doesn't. I think this scripture suggests, as well as the broader framework of scripture, that God doesn't send people to hell. Our decisions take us to hell. And there's all the difference in the world. We give God a bad rap because we are living and make in the wrong way and making bad decisions. Does that make sense? Why does God send people to hell? I don't think he does. I think we make decisions or choose not to make decisions every single day that nudge us closer to there. You see, everything we do has a consequence, right? I was doing a ride-along with the police the other day, and we arrested this young man, really nice young man, 21 years old. He had a, uh, enough marijuana in his car for it to be a felony. And the reason that he got pulled over was because uh, he took a left turn when it said no left turn, he should have taken a right turn. And I thought for a minute, oh my goodness, this kid has just got a felony next to his name simply because he took the wrong turn. And when they stopped him, they found all this stuff. There's a consequence to what we do, right? There has to be a consequence. If there is no consequence, there is chaos and we implode on ourselves. And one of the consequences of our not doing, one of the consequences of our bad behavior, one of the consequences of our sin that separates us from God is that we walk and we can send ourselves to hell. God doesn't send people to hell. We put ourselves in hell. In fact, God is the one who is standing all the way saying, no, Change. I forgive you. Repent. Turn around. Start doing good. Look towards heaven. Wake up. Make a difference. Change. Turn around. Don't do that. But we just keep ignoring all the way to an eternal separation from God. Does that make sense? 
Now, again, it gets confusing when you ask, well, what about people who faithfully follow other religions? What about the person in, in, in the other side of the world who's never heard about Jesus? What about the person born to a family uh, that had no connection with God? Those are great questions, too. Write, write them down. I think there's, a, I think there's a, a, a special grace that God gives. But God is standing by us all the way saying, hey, turn to me. Turn around. Quit walking away from me. Walk towards me. Why would a loving God send anyone to hell? I don't think a loving God does send anyone to hell. I think the choices we make and the decisions that we take help us put ourselves there. The chapter continues. I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. It's worth noting that this idea of helping the least of these is very, very significant in this story. 46, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteousness, the righteous will go on to eternal life. First thought I would share about this, Christian, this question. Good and bad can't exist together in the same way the light and dark can't exist. It's either one or the other. There has to be a, a separation. Second thought I would share is that God doesn't send people to hell. It's our decisions that take us to hell. The third thought that I would share is that there couldn't be a heaven without a hell. It's interesting that Jesus first says, hey, the sheep, you guys come with me. And then he deals with the goats. And I think he deals with the sheep first because he wants to spare them from this horrific experience that the goats will go through. You guys know the story of Noah, right? And he builds the ark and the flood starts to come. There's this horrible scene when you read in the story where Noah has to close the door on the ark. And there are people begging and wailing and screaming to get in. But there just isn't room. What, what anguish that must have been. And so Jesus says these words, away with you. The only way to maintain the purity and holiness and integrity of free will. And that's another question next week is for God to separate. Because God is holy and therefore heaven has to be holy too. Bethany's had this little cough the last couple of weeks. And so every time, you know, I can see her taking this breath as if the cough is going to come, I'm like, away from me! Right? <laughs> because I don't want her cough germs <laughs> to pollute me. Right? In the same way, heaven is this place of purity. 
And to those who are lost, caught, embracing, and enjoying their sin, Jesus has to say, hey, step away from me because I don't want that contagious sin in my heaven. Here's the deal. If sin gets into heaven, heaven loses its heavenliness. If sin gets into heaven, heaven becomes just like earth, right? And God has prepared something more beautiful for us than just this time of tension that we're living in. Heaven can't be heaven without hell. The, the word hell, as we talk about it, literally translated means um, a garbage site, uh, kind of a, a landfill. And in those days, as in our days, they don't put landfills right in the middle of a city, right? They put them on the outside. Hell isn't so much a place as much as it is being on the outside of heaven. Does that make sense? There's heaven and then there's not. And this place of not, this void, is what we call hell. But heaven can't be heaven without a hell. Because heaven needs to be pure and perfect for a pure and perfect holy God. The question, why would God create a hell? And I'd offer two thoughts. One, because good and bad ultimately can't coexist together. And secondly, heaven can't be heaven without a hell. The second part of that question, why would God send anyone to hell? I don't think God does. In fact, I think it's fair to say that God went to some extraordinary lengths to ensure that no one need to go to hell. That's what the, the gospel, the good news is all about, right? That when sin came into this world, when we, we left the Garden of Eden because of our selfishness and because of our sin, we put ourselves on a track to hell. Me and you and all of humanity. And God's heart broke around this and said, I got to do something about this. And so he sent a list of rules and regulations. He said, hey, just, just follow these. This will help you get straight. And you can come to me because, man, I love you. And, man, we didn't like those rules, and we kept going our own way. And so he said, let me, let me do what I, I got to do. I'm going to send my son, my perfect son, to live among you to show you the way to life. All that sin that you've got that I can't allow into my heaven, all that sin that's pulling you towards hell, he'll take it. He'll let it hang on the cross with him. 
Man, God has worked really, really hard and is working really, really hard to keep people out of this hell. Why would a good God create a hell? Because good and bad can't live together. Because heaven wouldn't be heaven if we let all the sin in. And there's a third reason that I'll explore a little bit more next week. And it has to do with the relationship between love and our free will. God loves us so much that he allows us to make poor decisions. None of us understood that until we had kids, right? Until you realize that your kids, that those you love the most, because you love them the most, you cannot control them as robots and you have to make them, allow them to make their own decisions and their own mistakes. I'm trying to find a way to wrap up well. I'm not sure how to do it. <laughs> good question. Tough question. Three thoughts to consider. Good and bad can't ultimately coexist. God doesn't send people to hell. Our decisions take us there. And thirdly, there needs to be a hell for those that God loves so much and he's given free will to. But use that free will for themselves. Does that make sense? Raises a lot more questions, doesn't it? Write those questions down. Any thoughts, any comments? It's very awkward for me. I'm a pro-heaven guy more than a pro-hell guy. <laughs> definitely, definitely on the pro-heaven side of things. But we can't fully understand the glory of heaven unless we see the, the separation from God in this place we called hell. Does that make sense? Was that all right? All right. If I offended you, get over it. All right. Let's pray. Lord, this is a difficult, difficult subject. Because none of us like the thought of hell. None of us like the idea of this place of separation. In fact, we have a really, really hard time that you, a loving God, would even create a hell. Lord, help us to live lives that are so faithful to you that this discussion of hell becomes mute within us. Help us to live lives that are so full of you that we spend the rest of our lives pointing others towards heaven and encouraging them to make decisions that would honor you. 
Lord, perhaps the most important prayer that we pray today for us, for our community, for our world is that you would help us make decisions this day that will prepare us for the decision you will make on that day. Lord, fill us not only with a fear of hell, but more so, fill us with the hope of heaven. And we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.